Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We can help your company and your employees look forward to tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. This is Wednesday, March 25th. I'm Kieran Hancock and on this week's show, we'll be looking at the issue of data privacy and discussing a case that could rewrite the laws in Europe. Four years ago, Max Schrems, a young Austrian lawyer, asked Facebook to hand over all the data it held on him. He wasn't happy with the answer the company gave him, so he decided to sue. The case is now before Europe's highest court, and it's a matter that could ultimately rewrite the laws of privacy in Europe and force US companies such as Facebook, Google and Microsoft to rethink their business models. Joining me to discuss this issue is on the line Irish Times Berlin correspondent Derek Scally, who has reported on the case from Luxembourg, and reporter Elaine Edwards, who this morning attended a data protection conference in Dublin. Derek, we might start with you. You were in Luxembourg yesterday for the start of this case. Uh, Tell us how it went. Yes, it was quite a remarkable day. I mean, uh, lots of people hear the words data protection or privacy and their eyes glaze over and uh, many people were going to Luxembourg thinking this is going to be a long day, but it actually turned out to be a very lively day. Um, The European Court of Justice is the highest court in the EU and all of the judges uh, on the panel had very much studied these documents and um, what could have been a dry discussion turned out to be quite lively it was it was all about what what rights do you have as an EU citizen over your data and the EU is quite clear on this it says in the fundamental charter uh, of the, the charter of fundamental rights that you have a right to privacy and you have a right to control over your data and um, to know what happens to it and um, Max Schrems uh, was questioning whether this was actually the case in theory or also in practice because of what we know now from uh, Edward Snowden Edward Snowden as you remember said that if you save anything on Facebook it disappears from Facebook Ireland to Facebook America and then eventually ends up in the pockets of the NSA um, through their prison program. And the the concern that Max Schrems had was that his fundamental right to privacy uh, according to the EU was being hollowed out by the US belief it has entitlement to save everything at once for national security reasons and he wanted clarity. It started in the High Court last year and the the High Court said there's an EU point of law here and we want that clarified by the, the court in Luxembourg and that point was the um, the safe harbour provision. And what this is, is uh, 15 years ago, the European Commission agreed that 
if you're a company that agreed to, to uh, respect an adequate level of privacy, you could uh, export data out of the EU, and the European Commission was happy with that, that the data wasn't going to end up everywhere. And some people now are saying, well, is this safe harbor really safe? Do we know what's happening with our data? Particularly after Snowden, it seems to be that we actually, uh, in Europe, have no control over our data, and thus our privacy, our right to privacy, is just literally a dead letter. And that's what the case was about yesterday, very lively discussions, and um, a one-day hearing, we're expecting a ruling uh, on uh, the 24th of June, and judging by the questions yesterday, the, the judges are really not impressed that this, uh, that this fundamental right is being respected at all, um, and that they seem quite critical of the European Commission, um, and that seems to be kowtowing to the U.S. government. So the question is what the judges will do now, whether they'll throw out this uh, safe harbour provision uh, in, in, to defend European privacy rights, or whether they'll ask the Commission to do some homework and fix it before, uh, before they intervene themselves. Yeah, now this has been kicking around for about four years, Derek, and Schrems actually took his complaint to the Irish Data Protection Commission initially because Facebook is, is based here or is tax resident here, I presume, uh, and they kicked it on to the High Court and they've kicked it on to the ECG, ECJ. Well, so, no, the, 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 the DPC wants to kill it. It didn't do it anyway. It was Max Schrems. They said that Max Schrems' case was his concern about where his Facebook data was ending was frivolous and vexatious. And uh, Max Schrems says, I don't think it's frivolous at all, my privacy. So he took a, a judicial review, and it was only because of this judicial review that it ends up before the High Court. And at the High Court, the DPC said, actually, this is a matter for the European Commission. This isn't us. A national um, regulator has no business intervening in these safe harbour provisions. And that's why they end up in Luxembourg. So um, a lot of people in Ireland wanted this to go away, but uh, Mr. Schrems was quite dogged in making sure it didn't go away. And a case that was described by the DPC as frivolous and vexatious was actually described yesterday by one of the judges as an important uh, case of principle. There was important issues being discussed. So, yeah, same issues, uh, different lawyers looking at it in quite a different opinion. And these are the highest uh, judges in the EU. Len Edwards, I'll bring you in here now. You've been covering this whole data protection area for some time for the Irish Times. You were at a, a data protection conference this morning where some new European regulations were being spoken about. Tell us about that. Yes, Karen. I was at the Public Affairs Ireland Data Protection Conference in Dublin this morning. Um, it was addressed by the Data Protection Commissioner, Helen Dixon, and by Ireland's Data Protection Minister, Dara Murphy. Um, I suppose uh, Derek is right that um, data protection tends to be an area that um, makes people's eyes glaze over sometimes. But in fact, um, you know, the conference really outlined for me that it is a very exciting area at the moment. It's a very interesting area. It's also an extremely important area that's going to define the entire privacy landscape over the next, whatever, decades, really. And it's an area that's um, businesses that industry really need to be needs to be paying attention to at the moment. Um, there was a focus particularly on uh, developments in the general data protection regulation, which has been under negotiation for over three years at this stage. Um, it's still at a very delicate stage. Certain aspects of it have been agreed. Um, Sorry, negotiation between who? Between, uh, the initial proposal on the table was from the European Commission and uh, it has gone through the European Parliament process whereby certain amendments, I think over 3,000 amendments were made to the original proposal. Um, I mean, for example, aspects of the original commission proposal proposed direct fines, for example, um, against companies that breached people's data protection rights. Uh, the commission, I think, originally proposed that a company might uh, be liable for a fine of around 1% of annual annual worldwide turnover. And in fact, at the, the parliament 
um, stage, that was increased to 5%. Now, these fines have not yet been agreed. They haven't been set down in stone, but it, lo- it does look like companies could be fined anything from between €250,000 up to a million euros if they breach people's data protection rights. Um, also, companies are going to have to be prepared for other aspects of this regulation, such as if they are hacked or if they have a massive data breach or not even a massive data breach, there will be a mandatory reporting structure in place, which isn't there now. So companies need to be preparing to to have themselves themselves ready for this regulation when it comes down the line in the next two to three years. And if they're not ready for it, they need to start thinking about training their staff, about a, an entirely top-down approach from uh, management, from risk people, right the way through a company because the, the whole data protection issue is not something that's going to be just the job of one person. It's, it's a very, very big deal in Europe and it's a very, very big deal for people's fundamental rights. It's not just an area of compliance. And as the Data Protection Commissioner Helen Dixon said herself this morning, it's not just a nice little add-on that companies have to com- companies should consider. It is something that you absolutely must do. And have any Irish companies been prosecuted under existing data privacy laws? There have been quite a significant number of prosecutions in the telecommunications areas over the last few years. Um, the Commissioner has been very active uh, against companies who spam people, for example, by email, by text message. Those prosecutions are generally taken under e-privacy regulations. Um, and they, they have been fined quite significant amounts of money. I, if I recall, one company in particular, I think, was fined in the region of €30,000 for various offences. Um, they tend to mostly be in the telco sector. But uh, interestingly enough, it emerged today as well that a new trend is that uh, individuals are beginning to sue uh, organisations, including government bodies and public sector bodies, for breaching a duty of care to them when they uh, break data protection legislation. So if somebody's rights are put, or if some, somebody's um, data protection uh, rights are um, disrespected or if their, their data is breached in some way, if their rights are breached, then... Um, the company can be sued under the Data Protection Act or the government body can be sued under the Data Protection Act and that's that's kind of a new trend. It mm-hmm. might be a trickle at the moment but I think the indication from people I spoke to this morning seem to be that it is something that you're going to expect more of down the line. Now, I think something like 29 of the top 30 most data-rich companies in the world are actually based in Ireland, have some form of a base in Ireland. So where does the Irish government stand on these new regulations? Um, we, the Irish government has certainly been accused by privacy and lobby groups over the last few weeks of attempting in these negotiations on the regulation to undermine privacy rights in some way. Um, I think that's probably a bit strong at this stage. Um, there's clearly a lot of lobbying going on in the background by a lot of these data companies. Um, and of course, they're not actually necessarily EU companies. That Most of them are, are US-based, actually, but they have their European headquarters here in Ireland. So... While I'd, I wouldn't say quite, it's a quite a softly, softly approach, there is obviously a lot of lobbying and there is, as the Minister said this morning, there is a, a difficult balance required between, um, you know, the fundamental rights, uh, the fundamental rights of individuals and actually getting the greatest benefits from advances in technology and ensuring that, you know, we can create new jobs in, in various sectors and so on. I mean, it, it, it's a very, it is a difficult balance to be achieved, all right. Derek, Ireland seems to be an important battleground for this whole area of data regulation. Uh, what's your sense of um, of Ireland's position on all of this? Yes, I think it's true. I mean, to be fair, the Council for the State and Council for the Data Protection Commission have both said yesterday that they, they really would are anxious for clarity on this because there does seem to be some confusion over who's responsible for what, particularly when it comes to big U.S. companies. Um, and on the issue of prosecutions, I mean, critics of the DPC would point out that they're very quick to go after Irish companies who send out a few hundred spam emails. But when it comes to 
attacking Facebook, they launch an audit and um, some people sneer at it as the tea and biscuits approach, you know, can you can we sort this out? And people are saying, well, if you're breaching a fundamental right or there's a suspicion there's a breach of a fundamental right, do you put on the kettle and sit down with them to discuss that? Or do you actually move in and say to stop that? So that's where I think Ireland gets a bad rap. But Ireland says, well, look, a negotiated approach with the, the threat of sanctions in the background is quite effective. Um, I do think that uh, there's, with all these companies based in Ireland, Ireland is quite proud, justly proud of having this, and it's a huge sector of the economy, so I think there's a huge interest in this being regulated properly, and um, it's just the, the, the concern in, in many quarters in Germany and Austria, even some of the judges yesterday, they were asking, how many lawyers does the DPC actually employ, and nobody seemed to know, and from the Irish side, which is kind of a, this is a big legal issue, and uh, if they're not sure if or how many lawyers are being employed, um, that would doesn't cause a huge amount of confidence uh, it sent, I had the sense yesterday in the negotiations. But it's a big issue, and I think uh, the, the commissioner, Ms. Dixon, is right to point out this isn't just a, uh, an anorak team. This is, this is, I mean, health and safety has become a big issue in companies, and I think uh, data protection and data rights are exactly at that point now. Yeah, we're at that tipping point, and um, I think everyone who's inside the loop knows that. And I think this court case and this ruling uh, could be huge because it could have a knock-on effect on EU's relations with the U.S. The, most of these companies are U.S. companies who could be affected by this ruling and they could have a knock-on effect on the on the trade talks, the transatlantic trade deal. So we're, to, we're, we're kind of at a point where it's moving beyond uh, the anoraks. This isn't just about clicking yes on cookies and agreeing to the terms and conditions. Um, you leave a trail of that wherever you go and uh, being able to track back that trail, see who has it and why and what they're doing with it. That's what we're talking about. Derek, do you get any sense that the Irish government is a bit soft on this issue because perhaps they fear that some of these uh, large multinational companies who've taken up residence of one sort or another here might actually uh, depart the country if the rules um, were to I'd, change. I'd agree, with, I'd agree with Elaine. It's really quite hard to say. I mean, it's it's quite clear these are big companies. It's quite clear there's an unprecedented lobbying effort going on in Brussels with this new regulation, these new data rules under discussion. Um, I would say that perhaps they're doing what they do, which is lobbying, and uh, that they're lobbying to protect their business interests. And the only trouble is the dice is slightly loaded um, on... Uh, on Tuesday, I visited um, uh, Joe McNamee. He's from County Mayo, and he's uh, he's a lobbyist for the pro-privacy side, and he runs a very small operation, a very effective operation, but uh, a very small operation. He says it's us against all of these suits. And um, so I think uh, I, I'd, be, I'd be cautious about saying that the, the Irish government is uh, a little bit too friendly with these companies, but I'd say they, just by short, sheer force of capital and um, lobbying efforts, they're seeing a lot more people from one side of the argument than the other side. But, of course, we do have a good privacy lobbyist in Ireland. Digital Rights Ireland was in the European Court of Justice last year, and it seems that this ruling that's now ahead of before the court will actually build on what uh, Digital Rights Ireland achieved last year. Last year, the court threw out a, a provision to collect European, da- European users' data. Um, the court said this was disproportionate, and it seems that this ruling now could actually build on that. If, if the court thinks collecting data and storing it inside the EU is disproportionate, how does it think about uh, US intelligence storing EU data outside the EU? Is that disproportionate too? So, so there are things happening in Ireland. There are people. It is a lively debate. Uh, it's just the, the government, I think, needs to uh, put its money where its mouth is and, and build up the DPC as it's been promising to do to a level where uh, nobody in the rest of Europe can point fingers or snigger at its efforts. Elaine, have you any sense that the government is actually going to do that? 
Um, I think what Derek said there about um, the, the phrase he used was the, the tea and biscuits approach um, to regulation, which I, I think it has been said, and I think it's it's probably a bit unfair as well. Um, I mean, the, the procedure that operates here in terms of um, data protection issues and discussing complaints and resolving complaints is the, the so-called amicable resolution approach, and that's actually mandated in the legislation here. That's the way it has been. I think when you see the regulation um, come into force over the, the coming years, um, it's going to change. Quite simply, there won't be the leeway there to kind of sit down and have tea and biscuits with an organisation, you're going to have to enforce the law across the EU. It's going to have to be universal. And um, there's a particular issue for Ireland in that we have a pivotal position um, here because we will be the lead regulator or would be the lead regulator under what was proposed to be this one-stop shop approach under the regulation. Um, That one-stop shop approach seems to have evolved somewhat from the original Commission proposal. So um, Ireland may not actually be be able to make a binding decision. It might ultimately go to uh, another European member state authority who might disagree with the decision the Irish regulator makes and ultimately to a European Data Protection Board which would make a binding decision. So it kind of puts Ireland in a difficult position in a way Um, but I mean when this regulation comes in it it is going to be binding on all member states basically and there is not going to be this this inconsistent approach that you've seen across member states at the moment in terms of regulating uh, entities and data. I'd agree with Elaine there. I mean, the the problem for Ireland is it could find itself on a fault line between two very different um, attitudes to privacy. As we know, the U.S. really doesn't have as as, as formalised a data protection regime as as Europe does. And the companies like Facebook, like Google, they say, well, we innovate and we need freedom to innovate and regulation is bad and privacy regulation just um, ties our hands. And uh, and then we've got the European Union, let's say continental Europe ideas, German, Austria ideas to data protection, which is this is something that must be regulated, must be regulated tightly. So you have Ireland in the middle um, between uh, one regime in the US who sees um, anything, anything, well, anything goes as perhaps going too far, but a, a pro-innovation and light-touch uh, privacy regulation, and the opposite in, in, in Europe. So Ireland could find itself having attracted these companies, trying to serve two masters at once, or trying to keep two camps happy, which have very different attitudes to the, exactly the same concept. So I think um, Ms. Dixon is going to be presiding over a very interesting time, trying to uh, trying to keep two sides happy while the, the rules she's supposed to be applying are, are evolving. So the goalposts are moving, the countries, the players are moving, and uh, and she's in the centre. So she, I think, deserves uh, every support, and she started in the job and deserves every uh, good wish in what's going to be a very challenging and growing role in the coming years. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704 1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life September 2014. And Derek, sorry, as consumers, are we a little bit two-faced on this issue? Because we're all horrified when we hear of data uh, privacy breaches taking place. And yet we all willingly give uh, reams and reams of information to companies like Facebook and Google and Apple and so forth uh, without necessarily considering the implications. 
Oh, this is it. But um, the question is whether or not you're able to know what the implications could be. I think people would agree if you drink 10 pints, get into the car, you may crash the car on the way home. But uh, do you know if you're taking drinking slowly over the over the course of several years, what is that alcohol doing to your system? I suppose you could argue what the the, the, the health concerns over cigarettes. And um, people could say now, well, people knew what they were doing. What did they know over the years? What the what the cigarettes were? What effect the cigarettes were having on their health? And I think some privacy regulators would say companies like Google and Facebook, the value is in the, the crumbs, and if they gather enough crumbs, they can create a, a loaf of bread that know that quite a lot this, this loaf of bread is quite valuable to advertisers and perhaps also to intelligence services, and if you're just dropping the odd crumb of information every hour or two, every time you check your mobile phone or get an email or over Gmail or a, a post over Facebook, you may not be aware of what you're doing, and uh, if you have a right to privacy, and it's a fundamental right to privacy, the argument is is it the job of the state to uh, defend that right for you, even if you are playing fast and loose with your own privacy? The Americans would say, no, if you're uh, informed consent, if you're on Facebook, you know it's free and you know you're paying for your data, so where's the problem? Whereas many countries in Europe would say, actually, most people don't know what they're doing, and those, those, uh, those informed consent is 25 pages of legal text that nobody reads. So is, it, is, it, is this informed consent at all? So these are the, the cultural debates going behind the, the legal debates, and it's, it's quite a fascinating Issue. And anyone who has a smartphone, anyone who uses a computer, um, are they really aware what they're doing with their data or where their data is ending up? And uh, are they entitled to track it back if they are concerned? That's the issue. And what's the view in Germany, Dirk? And the view in Germany, obviously coloured by history, that uh, the more the more a state or a body knows about you, the worse that is. Um, and uh, that has always coloured the, uh, the the German debate. There is some notions that Germany is perhaps playing a double game on this. It's always pointing the finger to Ireland and saying how terrible Ireland is at data regulation and we are much better and the German standards are much higher. But uh, in the, the talks that I was talking about in Brussels, um, there have been some revelations in the last while that Germany is actually taking a what's good for business is good for Germany approach. And uh, lots of companies like Volkswagen and Bosch, uh, you know, whether they're making refrigerators or cars, these cars and refrigerators are also generating data now. And these big German companies seem to be lobbying the German government the way uh, the, the tech companies seem to be lobbying other European governments and saying we want we want the right to retain data and user data as well, and um, the German government in the most recent rounds of talks appears to have been anxious to accommodate these business interests. So the notion that Germany is good, Ireland is bad, Germany is tight on data protection, and Ireland is is is, is loose, I think is oversimplified. Um, but there is a big uh, economic question here. There's a there's a big ethical question over privacy and uh, economics and privacy seem to be colliding, but I think the point worth pointing out is that the, the Charter of Fundamental Rights is a big deal. This is you, uh, the, the right to life is inviolable. You, you are not entitled to be tortured in the EU according to this Charter, and your privacy is your own. And um, there is no, in the Charter of Fundamental Rights, there's no fundamental right to uh, to generate jobs or protect jobs. I mean, this, this, it's, that's, that's what the privacy people would say, that we're talking about big issues and generating jobs and the worry about jobs is all well and good, but um, uh, we're talking about fundamental rights here and privacy is one of those rights and it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be sold off too cheaply and people shouldn't be allowed 
give it away for for the sake of a free email account. Could I come in on that there, Derek? Actually, as well, um, that, that's an interesting area because I think if you look at the um, the fallout from the Snowden revelations and so on, um, I think I don't know whether you'll agree, but I think the, the Irish government has been notably noticeably quiet on that front. Hasn't had a lot to say about the revelations about GCHQ tapping into Irish internet cables, for example, the the cross channel um, internet cables. Um, but uh, Dr. Owen O'Dell of Trinity College uh, also gave an interesting talk there this morning at that uh, data protection conference um, whereby he, he emphasised um, these areas uh, where technology is gathering more information on people, you know, location data and increasing amounts of, of data. There's a huge convergence of personal data that I think in many cases people are not aware of and they're not aware that in some cases what they make available about themselves publicly is converging with, with information that is available about them in public sector, with public sector bodies, with um, uh, companies and industry and so on. Um, I think there is a greater dawning um, now among individual, individuals that they do have privacy rights and that they have fundamental rights to privacy and that they are prepared to exercise it. Um, you will see, for example, um, the situation with Irish Water there over the last six months where there was a major fuss over people handing over their PPS numbers to Irish Water. Um, now, there were other factors at play there too. Uh, but again, I think the fact that you're starting to see people now uh, beginning to sue over uh, breaches of their data privacy rights, I think I think that does show some level of awareness dawning that um, people do have these rights and that they are prepared to exercise them. Um, but again, industry uh, is going to have to be prepared to to give people information about what they're doing with what it's doing with data and where it's going, where it's being transferred to. Um, and I think that the regulation is going to have a huge part to play in that. Derek, it is a balancing act, isn't it? Because uh, obviously it's data is being used to good effect, if you like, uh, for security reasons. And um, we've seen the very high profile Graham O'Dwyer case here recently. Um, we've seen the, the guards use uh, mobile phone data in relation to his movements and, and so on in that case. And it's been used in other uh, trials across the world as well, where they triangulated somebody's position on a particular day. And obviously with what happened in Paris and what's happened in Copenhagen and other terrorist attacks uh, around the world, um, being able to listen in on, on potential uh, suspects is, is important for security services, isn't it? Indeed. I mean, the, the problem, of course, for police who are come under pressure and are criticised for pushing for greater rights to access data is if they prevent a terrorist attack happening, they're not going to go on the evening news and say they did. All we see is the terrorist attacks that weren't prevented and people point the finger at the police and say, you want all these rights to spy on us and you're not able to stop Charlie Hebdo from happening. So I think the, the police are in a difficult position there. But I think the um, what I think Elaine said is right, until we actually see, until we see concrete reasons why data and matters people won't people have enough to worry about and that's understandable I think the issue is practicality. If people see the practical reasons um, why data matters, they'll take a lot more heed of it because they have a lot of things to worry about in their lives and data is just data and privacy concerns is maybe just one thing too many for them. Um, but I think after the Elena Har case comes out and the, uh, the, the verdict comes in and people are at more liberty to discuss uh, issues involving uh, the investigation, there, there could and should be a huge investigation into how the police knew what they knew and why they knew what they knew and why they were so certain. Um, and people will then be aware of, well, everything you do with your phone leaves a trace. And um, uh, it comes back to this whole issue. Well, if I'm doing nothing nothing illegal, I have nothing to be afraid of. Well, that's not the point. The point is there's a fundamental right to privacy and there's also a fundamental right for, for, uh, for police and states to prevent their citizens coming to harm. 
And this is a tug of war. Where do you draw the line? And the throwing out a dragnet, as the U.S. appears to have done, and dragging in everything, regardless of who you are, where you live, and what rights you have, seems to be quite extreme. Um, the, the notion of uh, locking down data and not allowing it flow anywhere would bring the 21st century economy to a standstill. So there has to be a debate about that in the middle, and people have to realize that data is just like the money in their pocket. It's, it's as fundamental to the economy that we live in now, and, um, and their data has a value. And uh, if they're not paying for a service uh, with uh, cash, they're probably paying for it with data. And if you're happy with Google knowing about everything from your sexual preferences to where, what, what kind of foods you like and how much you like to Google cats that look like Hitler, um, you know, if you're happy with Google knowing this and perhaps adding all that up later, and selling it to advertisers, then continue using the service. Uh, it's a great service. Uh, if you're slightly concerned about what people in 20 years' time might think about your sexual preferences, um, well, maybe you should be slightly concerned now and adjust your habits accordingly. But again, it's an evolving debate. And uh, but what's one thing is certain: Ireland is at the centre of this debate, um, and uh, we're a financial services base. We're also a database, and um, we need to have a regulator that's up to, fit for purpose to. Uh, to regulate what it's supposed to. And Derek, going back to Max Schrems, he seems like a determined uh, young man. He's been he's been on this case for the past four years. Indeed. I mean, uh, he's gotten up the nose of a lot of people in Ireland and he has a, an approach that many people in Ireland find quite, uh, let's put it politely, quite direct. Um, but if it wasn't for him, um, there wouldn't have been a complaint to the DPC. If it wasn't for him, the DPC's rejection of his complaint wouldn't have gone uh, to the High Court, uh, and it wouldn't have ended up in, in Brussels, uh, in Luxembourg, and we wouldn't be having this debate. There are Irish people, obviously, hugely involved in a DPC like Digital Rights Ireland, um, but sometimes it does take an outsider to put their finger in the wound and point out that something like Safe Harbor, supposedly guarding our privacy in the U.S., isn't necessarily fit for purpose. So, uh, yeah, Ireland has become a battleground, and sometimes some visitors have come in and started some interesting battles. And where does the European Commission stand on this? Oh, the European Commission um, went home yesterday with its tail between its legs. It, it, it insists that it is the country that uh, guards European privacy, European users' privacy. But uh, the judges basically got them to admit yesterday that it cannot guarantee uh, this fundamental right to privacy once uh, EU citizens' data leaves the EU. So um, it's not quite like the EU admitting that it can't prevent torture, uh, but the, the, the right to privacy is two paragraphs on from torture in the, in the Charter of Fundamental Rights. So um, the, the European Commission, which is the executive which uh, guards over EU laws and ensures that they're imposed, it, it has basically admitted that it has a deal with the U.S. that isn't worth the paper it's written on. And now the judges, having extracted this rather... Um, shamefaced admission from the European Commission on the foot of this Austrian uh, student's complaint. Um, now it's up to the European Court of Justice to decide how much principle and how much practicality should it adopt uh, if, if, if to, to remedy this situation. And if it finds, obviously, in favour of Max Schrems, uh, what does this mean for the Commission? I mean, are they going to have to go back and completely renegotiate their deal with the US? Well, yeah. I mean, the the thing about uh, the safe harbor is it's not going. To, it's not like we're going to be going out and digging up the cables under the under the Atlantic to America. The safe harbor is it's sort of like it's like a it's like a special visa queue uh, uh, at an airport. You you still have to go through controls, but the control just goes a little bit quicker because you've already handed over uh, uh, you've already handed over a, a promise that you will treat that in a certain way. Uh, but there's only about two thousand companies, mostly American. companies, 
companies who use these safe harbor provisions. Most companies, if you're in India or you're in China or even a lot of American companies, um, uh, they don't use safe harbors, so they have their own arrangements. They're slightly more cumbersome, but the notion that um, trade would come to a halt and that the economies would shudder, um, which is some claims that were being made yesterday, and they say this is a concern. If safe harbors struck down, please don't strike it, strike it down, ECJ. The other side, uh, the other, uh, the, the Shrem side have said this is nonsense, that uh, not very few people actually use safe harbor, but the principle is what counts. And the principle is being um, being trodden on, and with it, the, the fundamental right to privacy. Okay, well, as you mentioned earlier, we'll get the ruling on that on June 24th, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. That's it for this week from the Irish Times Business Podcast. My thanks to Derek Scally and Elaine Edwards for their contributions. Sinead O'Shea produced the show. The researcher was Declan Conlon, and JJ Vernon was sound engineer. Don't forget, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next week, take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 